Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, a show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. Our guest today is Zach Osherman. Zach runs Osherman Painting based in York, Pennsylvania. His dad started Osherman Painting in 1979, and Zach just took over the company in January of 2021. In this episode, Zach discusses some of the struggles he's encountered during the secession of Osherman Painting, the importance of a strong company culture, and what steps to take when trying to reform a painting company's long-standing culture. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, Visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. That URL again is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Well, Zach, thank you very much for being on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your yourself and your background. Okay. Um, I just took over my dad's, well, just, it's uh, nine months now uh, that I took over my dad's painting business, uh, January 1st. Um, the business is 42 years old, um, so it's actually older than me, um, which is cool too. Um, and uh, he started the business in 79 when we are about we're based out of York, Pennsylvania, and York is about 20 miles south of Three Mile Island. Um, so when the Three Mile Island incident happened, my dad was working for a, another painting contractor, and the painting contractor said, well, if you leave, you're not going to have a job when you get back. Well, he left, like a lot of people did, because, you know, that was scary, big time scary. Um, and then when he came back, he started his own business. So that's that was the genesis of everything. And my dad, like uh, many other painters um, now and in the past, you know, worked by himself or with a guy for about you know, 10, 15 years. And then he got connected to a consulting group out of Richmond, Virginia, um, that really helped him build out his business more, um, get out of the field um, and, and be able to work on the business instead of in the business. Um, mm-hmm. He also had one or two really key hires um, that really helped. Um, we have a 32-year guy with us, um, just wow. just was voted um, the PCA Craftsman of the Year for 20, I mean, 
make sure I get this right. 2020. Yeah. Not this year, but yeah. Yeah. the COVID year. Yeah. COVID year. Um, yeah. So um, Jody's been, um, been with us for 32 years and Jody's really set the standard um, and really why we are who we are. Um, and we've kind of built, we kind of built off of using consultants um, to teach us how to um, grow a little and um, get, you know, like I said, work on the business that I'm in mm-hmm. and then using Jody's skills and um, getting the other crew leads um, to where we need them to be, to be profitable and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that. I was actually born in York, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. I moved <laughs> when I was one, so I don't know anything about it, but was born there. Well, the peppermint patty was invented here and, um, you know, but it's now made in Hershey. So, you know, they, they stole it. yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Jody, he's been there 32 years. Do you have um, a lot of uh, employees that have been there for an extended time? Um, we had a little bit, I'll be honest, we had some turnover um, mm-hmm. right when I came on board um, okay. with my dad was a more old school guy. You know, he was more of a, you're going to do what I say when I say, and you're going to hear it from you if you don't. Hmm. Um, and when I came in, uh, probably about five, yeah, a little over five years ago now, I changed a lot of that. Um, and it was hard for guys to understand that I was, I think. Um, and it was hard for them to get on board um, a little. So it's kind of strange. So he, yeah, he's been with us for 32 years. Our second longest tenured guy, uh, probably about 10, 12. Okay. And then we dropped down to um, a lot of the guys that started right after I came on board are still with us. So, you know, three, four, five years. And how many painters do you guys have? We have 12. 12. Are those all W-2? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you guys don't yeah. use subcontractors? We don't. Um, that's one way that we differentiate ourselves um, right now. Um, York is, um, I call it more of like a mid-sized market. It's not, it's not huge. Um, we look at our market as like uh, three quarters of a million people, something like that. Um, so it's easier for us to differentiate ourselves and use that as, you know, all the painters that are coming to your job site are, are employees. Um, the, and I know you probably have guys that listen from New Jersey, but we use this a lot. Um, you know, if, if a franchise guy comes, um, and, and sells you the job, they could be pulling subs from anywhere, even from New Jersey and people, oh, okay. God God forbid. (laughs) Can you imagine these guys from New Jersey coming over here? I know. You need to hire us. (laughs) Apologies to anyone who is listening from New Jersey. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's funny. Um, well, Hey, whatever, whatever's resonating with the market, right. As long as it's not too bad. Um, so this, this idea that you came on board, you know, five years ago, what was your role initially? I know you you took it over nine months ago. So I, I painted again for about eight months. Um, so I was back. So when I went to high school and I was in college, I would paint in the summers. Um, and I realized pretty early on, I think because he started me too young, I think the, I was 14 when I first went out. Uh, it was one of those hot summers hmm. and we were doing a lot of work in downtown York, which is, um, you know, in the small cities, he just can't dissipate. So it was just, uh, yeah, I, I hated it. Um, 
so I figured at that point that I'd go my own way. Um, and I went to uh, Juniata College um, close to Penn State. I uh, got a degree in political science and marketing. Um, and I uh, had two long, longer jobs before I came back for my dad. So I, I worked as a lobbyist in, in Harrisburg. Okay. It's Harrisburg's our state capital. Um, and then I was in the equipment industry for about five years. Um, and at the point where my dad was molding someone to take over, um, but it didn't, it didn't work out. And it was kind of strange. It's weird how things happen. Um, right around that same time, things weren't going really well with the equipment company um, that I was um, employed with. So I said, okay, might as well try it. Um, Cause yeah. every couple of years he'd ask me, you know, it's a good opportunity. You know, you've been around it for a long time. Maybe you want to, no, 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 no. <laughs> but it business. just was right. It was just, it was just strange how everything kind of happened at the same time to make it work. It, it, you know, it, it's weird in life how things happen sometimes like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, when I first came on board, I painted for about eight months and then my dad, um, you can tell was getting tired of it. Um, we just do after, you know, doing it for you know, 30, 35 years at that point. Right. So I got involved with, uh, on the sales side and the project management side, um, probably that, I think it was that fall, winter, um, my first year, um, pretty quickly, probably within the first six months to a year, overtook him in sales. Um, and then I still ran projects and kind of allowed him to go do what he wanted to do, which honestly was best for him not to be around all the time. So kind of kind of got to mold it um, to the way I wanted it to be, which um, which was good. There was, of course, some um, kickback because it is a family business. And, you know, you always you always have those conflicts with the people you love the most, that, you know, right. one of those things. So um, I always tell people that I only one time in my last five years have I yelled at my crew. Um, but I did have screaming matches with my dad a couple of times. We just did. Yeah. So, so. this, I, th I think this idea of succession planning and, and it, you know, there, it being a bit bumpy is an important one, you know, cause it, it is a common theme, uh, you know, at painter marketing pros, we actually find a lot of times that's a good time for us to acquire a client, you know, is when mm -hmm. a, um, someone's been running the company for a long time, they tend to be pretty stuck in their ways and, and not really open to exploring opportunities or, or growth but then you know their son or daughter inherits the business and, and we find they tend to be a little more open-minded so you said your dad is it, he was he kind of ran it in an old school fashion um sounds maybe a little authoritarian with with his approach to employees can you talk a little bit about your approach to employees and how that maybe didn't work for the people who are accustomed to his style so my approach, because I've only I only really had, if you add it all up, maybe a year, year and a half worth of experience, I had to rely more on my you know, crew leads and um, our sales guys and all that for their input about what, well, what do I do here? Mm -hmm. And just that little bit of asking, you know, really. So it's a twofold thing. So you ask and then you follow through. Um, and if you don't follow through, then, of course, they're not going to, why would I even answer you anymore? Um, sure. So, you know, you have to do both of those things. And honestly, that was a little bit of contention with my dad. Well, well, I've been doing this for a long time. Why aren't you asking me? 
well, those are the guys that are in the field every day doing it. So I'm going to get input from them. Um, I also, so when we first, when I first started coming in, we have weekly meetings with the crew leads and it was like going to a funeral every week. It was that, <laughs> it was that bad. I mean, it just sat there. Uh, and now I got it to a point where everybody has input. Everybody's got a report. Everybody, you know, they um, make fun of each other here and there a little bit, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know, it, it's, it's much more of a team. Um, right. It almost seemed when I first came in as more of an us versus them thing. Like it's the office versus the crews and you, you're never going to get anywhere if, if it's like that. It's yeah. Just, yeah. And I told them early on in a full crew meeting with everybody, I said, if it ever gets back to that, way i'm the first one gone i'll get rid of it i don't i'm not going to work in an environment that you know everybody hates everybody and everybody hates coming to work that's not not what i'm going to do what's interesting to me is that it it seems that your style of management would be clearly desirable from you know a painter employee perspective but maybe it wasn't you know just for some of the painters just because they were was it just because they were accustomed to the other style so they, so they just couldn't adapt or what was that? I think it was it was partially that. So they were always used to the authoritarian well and they were it was hard for them to deal with someone that said, well, what do you think about this or you know how would you how would you handle that? Well, just tell me what to do. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean I, I need you to it's kind of the ownership thing. I want you to own your job. I don't want I don't want you just to come and do the tasks that, you know, own it. You know, you, you're the one running this project, own it. Um, and a lot of the guys just that were stuck in their ways couldn't make that transition. Um, and that's okay. You know, yeah. That's, so. yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of changed the role a little bit and, and maybe, maybe it would have worked for them in the beginning, or maybe, maybe that never would have worked, you know, and they, and, and you just kind of a different company now. Right. The one one thing that I've, I've realized pretty um, within this last six months, though, is it I I almost need to pull back into that just a little um, because if I don't, one of the things I did early on too was I try to say thank you and I appreciate you and all that kind of stuff as much as I could too. Of course, I mean they're out there humping their backs, making me money. I mean making the company money. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't I? Um, and I don't know if I ever released. I think. It was very rare for my dad to say thank you. Um, and that just sucks. It shouldn't have been like that. Um, but now when I forget to, it's almost like something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so I gotta <laughs> I gotta find I gotta I gotta find that middle a little bit a little bit more. But I mean I'd rather be on this end than the other end. So I, you yeah, know, pick your poison. Yeah, out of curiosity, how did you how did you get the team meetings? to be more fun was was there anything in particular that you did i think just so the biggest thing was it wasn't just all one one direction so when i first uh, went it was well these are the jobs um you're going to do this this and this and barely anybody said anything else um now it's okay we're going to go around the room and you're going to check in on your project you're going to tell us how it's going um, what your hours are, where you're at with things. If there's a if there's an issue, let's talk about it. Um, and honestly, I think the guys just like each other. 
more too. Yeah. Um, you got a more like-minded um, group of guys that, you know, can chat each other a little bit, and, um, enjoy each other. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, man. Would you mind mm -hmm. sharing where you guys are in revenue and maybe how that has grown or changed over the past several years? So when I came on board, we were um, a little less than three quarters of a million. Um, mm -hmm. We had six crews. Um, uh, well, I'm sorry. We, we have six crews now. We had three crews at that point. Um, and then we grew it out to six. Um, we're right around, we're going to be at like one, four, one, five. Um, wow. Hopefully by the end of this year. Yeah. So, and then uh, yeah. are you guys, are you guys primarily residential? commercial what do you guys focus on we're 75 80 percent residential um one of the we like church work um church work has been great for us um so that that takes up a good chunk of that other commercial um but then we'll do you know dentist offices law law offices um commercial work that they're willing to pay our rates um it's kind of funny we you know we get solicited all the time well can you give me a bid to redo this dunkin donuts yeah i can but you're not gonna like it so i'm not even gonna waste my time <laughs> really so you just you know the the potential customers that are, are not going to bite right just from years right. of, of knowing the market yeah we have a big general contractor huge general contractor here in york called kinsley when i first came on board that I um, went and did a couple bids for them and they wanted to tell us what they would pay. And I said, mm, that's not how this works. So don't yeah. really even call us. I don't, yeah. I don't even, I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, that I think if, as uh, any company, if you don't have a defined sales process, then you end up at the mercy of the buying process, you know, whatever that is. Right. And, and probably a lot of painting companies, my guess would be around you maybe don't have a, a strictly clearly defined sales process, which is how someone, you know, thinks that, that it's going to go that way. But those clients tend not to be, not to be very good clients. Right. right. So what yeah. kind, kind of focus on sales, what is your, what is your sales process? How does that look? So um, both me and my full-time sales guy, we went through the Sandler program um so um and we are we're still word and pds for now we're um working through getting our um paint scout um going um i just it's just been so crazy that i haven't had a lot of time to fight through it to make it happen sure um but yeah it's it's a lot of sandler um going and trying to set up upfront contracts, upfront um, expectations um, for things. And then what that allows you to do, and I'll be honest, my sales guy's a lot better at this than I am, um, asking about budgets and, and that kind of thing to try to try to weed out the ones that are gonna be a waste of your time. Um, one of the things that we found recently was our average price for a project has almost doubled. Um, within the last couple of years so we were we were within i think we were averaging like 4500 a project and now we're almost to 10. wow so so it, it's you know it, it, we have the potential to you know make more margins on those larger projects so that's that's not a bad thing um but so i yeah it's um 
and I guess the way things have happened, we have been able to weed out some of the some of the others that just don't make sense for us. Sure. So so the when you say almost 10, this is strictly residential. Um, I and it's both together. Both, yeah. Okay. Our average project. Yeah. Sure. Got it. Okay. So then you guys are doing a better job qualifying. Do you have kind of set criteria or standard operating procedures around, okay, if they say their budget is below this, we're going to say we're not a good fit or how do you guys qualify? Well, um, we don't ask over the phone. I mean, I think we do ask when we get there. So one of the biggest things, and I've had conversations with a lot of, you know, industry leaders with this um, is putting out marketing that is quality marketing. So our website, if you look at our website, it has a beautiful um, old uh, Victorian that has seven different colors on it. Yeah, I have it, you I know, have it behind you right now. Yeah. The beautiful you know, brick, uh, yeah, home. Right. And all our marketing has, you know, real high-end looking houses and all that. So what we're trying to do there is we're trying to say, you know, we're more like the Lexus ad than we are the Honda ad. Yep. You know, um, you, you need to understand that if you call us, this is what this is what we do and this is what we're going to demand. Yeah. Um, and at, being in business for 42 years has also allowed us to use that, um, especially in York. So we are mostly in York, but then we also go closer to Harrisburg as well. So we what we find is the market closer to Harrisburg. We do find a little more tire kickers up there but most of the people in York know us and they know that, yeah, you're going to pay more for us, but you, they know that the project's going to be done um, the way that they want it to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We talk at painter yeah. marketing pros a lot about, you know, how do you become the hundred pound gorilla, you know, the premium painter in your option and in your local service market and don't be a commodity, you know, commodity yeah. doesn't win. Um, so you guys, you, you talked about marketing and, and putting quality marketing and, and putting out, you know, making sure that your website is full of high-end homes. What else do you do or, or what would you recommend for painting companies that maybe haven't been around for 42 years? Or is it 39, 39, 42? 42. 42, yeah. haven't, haven't been around for 42 years and, and maybe not everyone does know them. You know, how can they kind of convey that same message? What can they do beyond putting high-end homes on their website? I think one area that people forget about um, is to always um, cultivate from the past customers. So even if you were, you've been in business for six months and you've done, I don't know, um, what, 30 or 40 projects, maybe that's all, maybe that's too many, um, but don't forget about them. You know, always be marketing back to your customer base always be asking for referrals from your customer base. Your employees and your customers should be your two biggest advocates. If they're not, then something's, something's not right. So um, I do, occasionally I'll get that question from, you know, guys that have been doing it for six months a year. And I said, don't, yeah, don't forget them. You know, send them letters. Um, honestly, one of the ways that we increased our business was we used to do a call. Um, to our customers, we used to we did it in the spring to get our spring leads going, and then we did it in the fall to get our winter leads going. But we don't need either one <laughs> right now, yeah. um, so we just send we just send letters. Uh, we'll send a postcard, you know, send Christmas cards, that kind of stuff, so that they know you're still around. 
Yeah. Yeah. That call, wanna... that call makes it very personal. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. Another yeah. um, option that, that we've seen work really well is kind of calling on the, the anniversary or the completion date of a paint oh, job, yeah. you know, yeah, checking cool. in. It, it shows not only do you, do you know, do you remember them and that you're still around? You, you actually remember when you completed their job and, you know, it goes a long way. If, People want to feel careful. If, right. And if they do say, well, there's an issue, then you say right away, well, we'll be out to make it or fix it or whatever too. Yeah. 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 You got to be ready. You got to be ready for that. If it, yeah. you know, yeah. No. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Cause you, you don't want to come at it from the angle of, you know, hi, this is Zach from Osterman painting. Do you have any referrals? You know, it has right. to be, it has to be, Hey, how we completed your job a, a year ago. I want to make sure that, that it still looks as good, good as we left it. Um, yeah, I, I love that. So, so you guys are, are focused on remarketing, you know, staying in front of your past customers, which is key. A lot of painting companies talk about how they grow through referrals, but they, they view it as this passive channel, right? And you, you're leaning into it, making, making it more active because there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of value there. You know, your, your most happy, your most recent happy customer is your best salesman. Um, what else do you do for marketing? How, how else do you grow? We do a lot of social media stuff. Um, Instagram, Facebook. Now I, I don't know, maybe this is something you would know more of as how to figure, really figure out ROI from that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, um, it's just a good way to get those, you know, good pictures out. One of the things that I try to do is try to give credit where credit's due. So if you look at um, most of our posts, like 90% of our posts, it'll mention the crew lead and maybe even the painter nice. that's part of that project um, so that they get that credit for that. It's not about me. Um, one of the things that I did January 1 was I took, uh, changed the name from Mike Ashram painting to Ashram and painting. Um, so I got rid of my dad's name. I didn't add my own. It's not, it's not about me. Um, it's about my guys doing good work for the customers. And that's, that's what I want it to be. Want it to be. Yeah, that's great. So when you say social media, um, I, I guess you're referring to just organic posts, just being active on social media, not actually paid advertising. We do some. Um, so I will, um, Gary Vanderchuk is um he has that how uh, was it jab uh what does he call it jabs and then right hooks yeah jabs, so, jab jab hook yeah so so all the the little um posts that i put out there about about um you know doing this project or that project those are just jabs i mean they're if someone sees something that they really like maybe they'll call us on that but occasionally you know every couple months you, you put out a right hook where you're really trying to um get activated leads through that mm -hmm. um and we probably do four or five a year and it's pretty much when the season changes over um and i will do uh um it's not a boosted post it is pretty much pictures um that i cultivated from projects over that year um or if i'm doing from trying to build up leads for winter, I'm going back to our last winter and picking, you know, pictures from that last winter and promoting those. Um, yeah. And then I pick out, I do go by zip code um, through the Facebook um, ad um, program and all that to try to try to hit the people where I know the money is. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the targeting is very important. So you yeah. are in an interesting 
uh, situation for the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast because you were below a million not too long ago, and now you've almost almost doubled at this point uh, in a in a pretty rapid time frame. So, what do you? Uh, I guess what do you attribute that success to over the last uh, last couple of years? Um, being able to give up certain things. Well, I get, yeah, I could say give up. Um, so it was when we changed over the team and, and changed over the culture, the culture got better. When we started doing more marketing, um, we started getting more leads. Well, then my dad and I couldn't handle the leads. We just, I mean, right even now we're scheduling um, estimates, new estimates for like two weeks out. I mean, it's, it's insane still. Um, and then we realized that we needed to bring on a salesman. So we brought on a salesman. So that allowed us to, you know, sell more. Um, and then I have an office manager as well. And I have an office admin. So it's really, it was creating that back support um, behind the scenes that really allowed us to, um, to grow. Um, and that's tough for some people because you don't, you don't know if you're going to get the ROI out of it to pay them um, and make sure that they're worth, you know, what, um, what you are paying them to be able to do other things. That's hard. Yeah. You, you kind of have to, I guess, in some ways, take a leap of faith, but try to do it in a strategic fashion. You talked about a few different positions there that you filled that, that kind of offloaded the work for you. Which one would you fill first for someone looking to, to make a hire here? So I think I, that's always the, <laughs> the tricky so question. The, yeah. The very first thing that I think um, that anyone that's growing should do is get an office manager, get or an office admin, um, allow that person to do the um, stuff that you really don't want to do. Um, now I know there's bookkeeping services and all that, but they do bookkeeping or um, they can do the, the um, paint ordering. They can do making sure the colors, all, all that kind of stuff, all the logistics stuff. That's, that's the very first hire. Now, the second hire really is what you don't like to do or what, yeah. So if you're good at project management, hire someone to do sales. If you're good at sales, hire someone to do project management. I think that really is the key to that second, that second big hire. That makes uh, sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it, yep. typically you're good at what you're, what you like doing and too. So if you, if you like being out in the field with the guys, then get someone, hire someone to sell. Um, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And it, it'll prevent burnout that way too, because you're, you're doing what you want. I do want to clarify um, to anyone listening. He didn't, and Zach, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you weren't saying hire a full-time bookkeeper, but find a service to kind of outsource some of these things. If you need, yeah, if that's the, that's not a bad thing to do right away. So our, our office manager enjoys the numbers. So we don't use a bookkeeping service. Um, So, I mean, everybody's a little different, Um, but yeah, just running a small business like this can be incredibly daunting. It just can be, you can be working 60, 80 hours a week. Um, and I'll be honest, I still do sometimes. Um, so you have to figure out ways to offload and you have to figure out ways to make it more efficient. Um, cause you get, I remember my, I had a college professor that would talk about, um, the boulder that would just keep getting bigger behind you. Um, 
you talk like Indiana Jones, like the boulder coming behind you. You just you just did enough to not get squished. <laughs> <laughs> so some sometimes you feel like that, like you, and you gotta get a you gotta figure out a way to get away from that. You know, get away from the boulder and, and figure out a, a more streamlined approach or more efficient approach. So. Yeah, yeah, and it can be tough because you're you're stuck operating the business and you feel like if you stop. Um, you know, the business will, will die or, or the customer complaints will start coming in. And, and so how do you kind of make that transition? I think, I think you have to kind of do it in stages like you did. Yeah, we're, I'm not, we have the infrastructure in place that I can go away, you know, for honestly, probably two weeks, three weeks and be okay. I, I'm not going to be, I've never been one that wants to you know, put a general manager in place so that I can go do what I want. It's my name on the business. So I'm still going to be, you know, directly involved till forever. Um, You're not heading to a beach well, in, in Tahiti right, right now. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'd feel honestly, I, I'd feel bad if I was gone for too, too long. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Feel kind of guilty. Right. Right. I don't want to yeah, let the bag on them to do everything. So yeah. plus your, your dad would probably yell at you. Yeah, is my guess. <laughs> well, he's he's retired now, so he's he's not part of the business anymore. But yeah, yeah. well, no, I, I I still think he'd probably yell at you though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what is uh, what's your company struggling with the most right now? Um, we're actually doing okay with the paint shortage. I know that's a big big deal for yeah. everybody. Um, we've switched over to Benjamin Moore. Um, within the last year, uh, two years, um, and that's helped a lot. For some reason, they've been a little better now. I think they're going to be running into issues. They're warning us um, mm. that they are. Um, my big thing, just like everybody else, is uh, hiring. Yeah. Um, and what we're trying to do is there's a lot of, like Nick Slavic and those guys that have kind of set the mold and set the map on creating the training. Um, to, to get green people, to get um, people that are just decent people to right. then train them how to do it. We've been, I'll be honest, we've been incredibly lucky to have a lot of experienced guys. So I, I have four or five guys that have 25 years plus wow. experience that are, they're, they're good. Um, and I can rely on them. I don't have to be up their butt all the time to make sure it's okay. So yeah, yeah they're good with, the customers and all that so we've been lucky there now that's i even told them last week i said we we're gonna fight here and there soon about figuring out our sops because each one of them does things a little different and if we're ever really going to be able to grow it out and I, I, for me i don't want to be any bigger than like 18 or 20 that's that's mm. where i see our growth um but even to get to that point, we have to make things standardized because you're never going to be able to train the, someone to do things four different ways. You, you have to standardize it. And um, you're, it's going to be a little bit of conflict, but conflict isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And then what, what do you think that your company is doing the best with right now? Um. <laughs> I think we do pretty good with the marketing in our area. Um, yeah, I think one of my uh, goals has been to get our Google reviews up, um, which is, 
it's a double-edged sword because when you have high Google rating, you get more tire kickers and all that. Um, but it's also allowed us to keep our leads flowing really well. So um, that's been a big priority for me. And we're, we've been um, hitting our goals um, with those over the last year. Um, we set up employee challenges for that. So what we do is I set a, a goal for six months. And if they hit that goal, then everybody gets a, a extra day off paid. Um, and then okay. we also give a, a monetary reward to whoever um, gets the, the crew lead that gets the most. Um, and then occasionally what I'll do if, if it stalls, because every once in a while it stalls for this reason or that reason, I'm not sure. Just older customers that don't want to put their name online or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll do um, occasionally I'll say, okay, whoever gets the next one gets 50 bucks and, and that'll spur a little bit of activity sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really love the employee incentivization, you know, making it part of your culture to get yeah. those reviews. Um, so I've always oh. been about doing incentives on a wide basis too. I don't, I don't want, it's okay to have friendly competition, but it, it, it can devolve into something that you don't want it to. So it's important that there's an overall goal for the company that everybody gets rewarded. Yeah. Not, not the one guy who's best at getting the reviews is just getting everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So with, um, with customers, you know, speaking of reviews with customers, what, what's the biggest blunder you know, whether your fault or, or not, or worst kind of situation that you've had with a customer and how did you handle it? Well, um, we had to, I don't know. <laughs> we just did have a one-star uh, review a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was about a time and material job where the guy didn't quite understand. It's, it's really strange. And we, we've, we've worked with different wording on it. Um, a small time and material job where the guy thought that it didn't matter if two guys were on the job, <laughs> you're only going to get paid for one hour. And I, we get that a, a lot, which is really mm -hmm. strange, but, and I've talked to customers here and there, you know, when you take your, your car to the mechanic, if another mechanic works on your car at the same time, you're getting charged for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not, they just don't eat that time when somebody's coming, coming over, but um, he got upset and put a one-star review on. Now I, I did, um, I didn't call him or anything. Cause it, it to me, it, it is okay. I honestly believe it's better to have a 4.9 than it is to have a 5.0. Right. I really do because if I'm looking at restaurants or I'm looking at this or that, and I see a 5.0, I'm thinking, okay, Looks how many family shady. members, right? How many family members and how many other people did you get to, to put on there? So it's, it's okay. I mean, I don't like that. We have a one-star review, but it's okay that we have a 4.9 because of it. Yeah. So did you yeah. guys re reply to it or anything online? Yeah. I, I put a long, yeah. Long explanation of it. It's good. And I, I'm pretty good about not being too vitriolic um, with that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things that my guys tell me, and I've known this for a long time, that my, it's kind of my strength and my weakness is that I pr stay pretty even keeled. Mm -hmm. um, so I can talk a customer off the ledge most of the time. Because um, we'll, we'll go in and make it right. Or we, 
one of the things that I guess this was probably a year and a half ago, my dad went in and did a, a kitchen cabinet uh, project and told the guy that we could strip it and stain it and, and we couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it just, it wasn't going to happen. So I went in there and explained, you know, that we ran into this or that. Um, I really do think that you would really like these, these painted though. We can make them, you know, really look good painted. And he went with it. Yeah. You know, now I had to, I had to hold his hand a little bit. I had to show up, you know, every couple of, you know, every couple of days, make sure things were going okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I so, just had to fix that, uh, that, that incorrect expectations that were initially right. set. So how do you, know, how do you see the painting industry changing in the future or do you see it changing in the future? I think what we're seeing, and I know um, like Jason Parrish talks about this and, and others talk about this. I, I think you're starting to see things become a little more professional. And I do think you're seeing more of a, um, I forget what he calls it, a roundup where the companies are starting to get a little bigger um, than they were in the past. Um, now I think that's a double-edged sword because what that what that does is it allows the franchises and everything to commoditize us a little bit more. So mm -hmm. if you're if you're um, pulling everyone together, then it's really hard to different differentiate yourself from someone else. Yeah, it becomes um, a little bit more of a winner takes all scenario there. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think you I think you're seeing that a little bit. Um, and the subcontractor stuff. It, I, I think it seems like that's growing. Um, I'm not exactly sure that, you know, but and we just don't do it just because, you know, it, it, we can put that perception out there. Now, I don't know if that perception is reality or not. I think a lot of guys have had good luck, even with quasi models, you know, you're, you have um, half your guys are uh, W2s and half your guys are subcontractors, because I think what, one of the things that they've hit on with that is certain cultures um, want to own something. So they would rather be subcontractors because then they, they own their own little business. Right. Or millennials are told all the time, um, and even the next generation are told that you're special and that you should own your own thing. So, participation I mean, trophy. Right. So, it, you know, they, they want to have, they want to have that ownership of that thing. So I think that's part of why the subcontractor base has, has grown a little. Um, it, and I'm okay with it as long as it's done right. I think sometimes the guys skirt IRS rules and all that kind of stuff. That's the biggest, um, honestly, bitch and moan that a lot of the um, guys that have been doing this for a long time that have built great businesses with W2 employees, that's their biggest thing. So if you have, if you have subcontractors, fine, but just do it the way that you're supposed to do it. They don't, yep. you know, don't have them act like employees because they're not your employees. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zach, this has been great. Do you have any other advice for, uh, you know, smaller painting company owners looking to grow or, or anything else you'd like to add? I think, so I was thinking about this because I, I, and when you sent the questionnaire and everything ahead of time, I was thinking about it. Um, I think there, are, it's kind of strange. There are, there, there are two sides to the spectrum. So you have the guys that are learning that don't know much and, and that's great. I mean, you're asking questions or they're going through the process, they're learning for themselves. But then on the other side, you have these, you have um, companies who will never grow because they think that they're the best at it. And 
I'll never be able to hire an employee because they can never do as good as me. You're, you're, you have to get that mindset out of your way, out of your way. The best, the guys that have done the best in this are more towards the middle. They, they know that they do good work. But they also know that they have stuff to learn. And they also know that there are guys out there and employees out there that will paint better than them. And that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a good thing. You want guys that are that can do better work than you. Um, don't have the hubris that you will. I'm bust, and no one. You're never you're never going to grow that way. I kind of, and I may uh, piss a little some people off with this guy. I kind of feel like that's like a refinisher mentality. Like mm. you're never. It's never going to be as good as me. Yeah, it's almost like a like a New Jersey mentality, if you will. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> oh, Edward and all those guys are gonna come at me. No, yeah, you're gonna have some visits coming up, Zach. Um, all right. Well, Zach, hey man, I, I I super appreciate you being a guest on the show. This was invaluable. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, th thanks a lot. I think you, you gave us a lot to think about and especially with the succession planning, you know, I, what I've found is, is kind of each guest that comes on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast has their own unique story and, and their own unique value to add. And, and you certainly are no exception. So, so thank you for your time and for sharing all this. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.